Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of the Everyday Enthusiast podcast, Triple Pane Windows. I am Chris, your Everyday Enthusiast, and here I like to talk about some of the things that interested me the most over the last week. Now, before we get started, I just want to say that this podcast is available on most major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Overcast, and many others. If you want to like, rate, and subscribe where applicable, please do so. It would be greatly appreciated. I can also be reached at everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. No dots, dashes, or spaces. Again, that's everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. All right, on with the show. So in our fun section here, follow-up updates and notes, uh, the first thing I want to touch on is the Windows 10 icons getting updated. And I'm sure you could gather from the episode title, we are going to talk a bit about Windows and, uh, well, and design. Uh, as it were. So uh, this article here, I just wanted to give a quick little update here. It seems that Microsoft is going to, uh, you know, they're on a bit of a design rampage right now. Um, And this is not the last time that we will talk about them in this podcast, obviously. According to the article on The Verge, uh, along with the new Office app uh, icons, they are going to also be updating all of the Windows 10 icons as well. And look, I know I made it pretty clear that I was a fan of of the new direction that they're taking them last week, but if the new ones look anything like what we saw for the new Office Suite, uh, I'm all for it. They look great. Not that I had much issue with the old icons before, uh, but I think that the new ones look that much better. And even if you don't care about design as much as I do, um, you know, this will at least serve to bring some consistency to the platform overall. Some of the icon designs have been lingering for years and years. Um, and I mean, I mean, not the office ones or, you know, some of the Windows 10, well, some of the Windows 10 ones, they've just, you know, they update, you know, the tiles around them, but the designs themselves have just been kind of stagnant on some of the apps, not all of them. Um, my major issue with Windows apps uh, is not the icons, but the app designs themselves. Not all of them, but some of them. Um, so at any rate, you know, let's let's save that for for the topics uh, later on in the episode. I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit more. The second item I wanted to talk about in our fun section here is the hole punch phones. Uh, later on that we might be getting later on that actually maybe even today Um, so there's two links that I'm going to provide one article from The Verge about uh, the Huawei Huawei Nova 4 release Um, and then there's a YouTube video uh, I think it's from and I should click on it here I think it's from uh, Pocket Now um, the Pocket Now YouTube channel. So uh, it sounds like there is a bit of a race between a couple of companies to be the first to release one of these hole punch phones. As uh, well, I like to think that I uh, coined that or thought that up myself, but I have seen or heard some other uh, outlets using the same phrase. Um, after hearing reports that both Huawei and Samsung are going to be releasing phones with camera cutout holes uh, in you know the top of the display we're now hearing that Huawei is going to be releasing theirs on December 17th so what is that one week from today uh, and I know we talked about Samsung the Samsung Galaxy S10 phone having the hole punch but apparently they're going to be releasing the Galaxy 
A8S. These naming these names are just getting out of hand. These is just ridiculous. Anyway, um, they might even be releasing that today. And if that is the case, I am going to have quite a bit to talk about next week uh, in regards to that. Now, I should note that these these notes were made before today's before me recording this. I you know I take my notes earlier on in the week as I add articles to the to, to the show notes. Um, so things could have already changed by the time that you know this comes out. Uh, but I do try to get this out on Monday mornings, so I'm hoping that I'll get this out before any announcements are made. Okay. Um, I guess along with the the Huawei news as well, we're seeing that they're both um, they'll be they'll both be out by then. I guess uh, you know you know ten or one week from today is also next Monday. I don't know if I'll be able to talk about um, the Huawei phone next Monday. It'll probably be on the following episode, but I, you know, I'll, I'll get that in there as soon as possible. Okay. Um, look, I've already talked about my lukewarm feelings on this design choice, so I won't get into that now, but I will say that I think it is growing on me a little bit. I'm growing okay with this design a little bit, uh, but you know, I think that's more curiosity than acceptance. Um, you know, I just want to see what these will look like in person, uh, and you know, how bad or, or how good, uh, they might be. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I I'm, I'm curious more than I am excited for this. So anyway, all right. Um, on to our actual topic. So the first one is more, uh, Microsoft design talk. So the article that I want, uh, that I am putting up here is about, uh, updated, well, updated windows design. What more do you want? I mean, that's, <laughs> it's a reoccurring theme. Okay. So, uh, we're going to talk about this again. The link that I'll include in the show notes is a report from the verge about the design teams about how the design teams at uh, Microsoft are working together across the company on things like Office, uh, the Surface line, and Windows overall. Like I said in our fun section here, um, this can only be a good thing for consistency's sake. Everything needs to work together so that we feel like it's a cohesive ecosystem, right? I mean, it just makes for a better experience. That is how that is how you lock people in. Okay. And, and look, I hate lock-in. That's why I try to use as many apps that are available on multiple platforms, like cross-platform apps. Um, so that if I really want to make the jump from say, you know, iOS to Android or, or Mac to windows that I can, but you know, this helps companies when you have a more consistent ecosystem of offerings. Okay. But I'm just saying if, if they want to appeal to people, they need to tell a consistent story, uh, is all really. Uh, and I think that, uh, they would be, and, and I hope that they are considering some redesigns of the actual apps themselves and not just the icons. That's great, but okay. A little bit of a tangent here recently for work, I was able to use Microsoft teams and it is horrendous. It is so, so terrible. I could talk about this for quite a while. So I'll really try to, uh, not do that. Um, I believe that Microsoft teams is their answer to Slack, which for those of you who do not know are 
It's an alternative to email for professional teams to communicate internally for work and a little bit externally, I guess, too. I have only really used it for a couple of hours, uh, Microsoft Teams, that is, because we're just trialing it now. Uh, and I'm on the team that's kind of trying to use this and, and give feedback on, you know, pros and cons and everything like that. But it is so convoluted and hard to understand. I won't get into the terrible structure itself and the way that it organizes the sections and the conversations, but only the design aspect of it. And really the whole conversation, okay. This is what the whole conversation started out at is design. So I'm just gonna focus on that, all right? I'm getting a little flustered because it is so, so bad. I've had such a terrible experience, all right? So the window of the app has no actual border. And I know that this is something that Microsoft has tried to do in the past here. Um, and while this would look really good against like a dark background or desktop wallpaper, as the application itself is, is white with a purple header, uh, this is rarely going to be the case. Um, you know, most people are going to use this with a couple, if not many other apps open. Meaning that if you have another app behind it that happens to be white as well. They blend together. You cannot see where one ends and the other begins. And the box at the at the bottom that is supposed to be where you know you enter dialogue, the dialogue box, uh, has no indication that that is what it is and what it does. And that that's where you're supposed to start typing. Other than the text, okay, that, that says something to the effect of start a conversation here or start dialogue or something like that. So I don't know. Um, I know what they're trying to go for here, right? It's the minimalist design. And don't get me wrong, I love minimalism. I love the design aspect of minimalistic features, right? But this is overdoing it to a point of unintuitiveness. Hopefully that comes across okay. I, you know what I'm trying to say here. I realize that it's not an actual word per se, unintuitiveness, but again, you get the idea. At any rate, it's kind of hard to explain. So if you get a chance, just Google the application itself, take a look at it, what I'm talking about. It's so bad. I, <laughs> anyway, uh, look, I, I, I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, the next, item I want to talk about here. Uh, I'm kind of lumping this in with the first topic, you know, Microsoft design is uh, last week, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday, the Outlook uh, email app on iOS was supposed to be um, was supposed to be released a new uh, sorry, an updated Outlook email app, a new design and everything like that a big blue header and everything. Now, I have used this app in the past, but I stopped because I was having some major problems with not getting notifications. Uh, this could have been iOS and not the app itself, but I did revert back to using the, what's called mail.app. That's what Apple calls their mail app, mail.app, anyway, um, that ships on iOS. And actually, I guess if I think about it, I could switch back because I don't use notifications anymore. I have turned notifications off for email um, anyway. So uh, I'll, look, a, a while ago, I realized that I was getting way too many notifications every single day and that it was very distracting. So I turned off email and a lot of other apps too. Uh, you know, even, even like, um, I mean, obviously messages I still have open and things like that, but I turned off email, I turned off, 
I don't know, random, you know, WhatsApp and everything like that uh, messages. I don't get a lot of messages there anyway or let go. I have let go and sometimes it wants to tell me that somebody posted something that I, it thinks I might like, but I turned that off because I was just getting so, so many. It's been very nice actually. So anyway, I turned all of that off. Um, I still have the red notification count bubbles for each app so that way I can look and visually see if there's something I need to read there. Um, so when I want to, I can and it can be addressed, but the phone doesn't light up every single time I get an email anymore. For the most part, um, like I said, it's really nice. But at any rate, um, <laughs> the next thing I wanna touch on here in relation to this app is that I have a note here, it says, you know, finish after you get to use the app. Well, that hasn't happened. I don't know why. I don't understand what's going on here. I have been, because I want it, I'm not a, I'm not crazy about getting every single app updated on my phone and everything like that, but I wanted to talk about this for the uh, podcast and I have been updating and checking for this Outlook app update literally multiple times a day since whenever they announced this. I think it was last, again, last Monday or Tuesday. I, I Again, I don't remember, but for some reason, the app says... I'm up to date. There is no update. I have seen uh, a bunch of other people. Actually, if you go to the Verge's uh, uh, link that I have here, you can see down in their uh, comments that a bunch of other people have posted that they weren't seeing the update. And I, this was like two, three days afterwards. And now we're almost an entire week afterwards, if not an actual week later, and I don't see the update. I checked this morning. So I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if that's Microsoft kind of slow rolling this out. Um, there was no mention of that being the case in any of the articles that I read about this, but I don't know. I don't know if this is iOS, if this is Apple, if this is Microsoft, I'm not really sure. I know some apps do do a slow rollout so it doesn't hit their servers too hard, but I mean, this is Microsoft. It's like, I, anyway. I'm going to leave it at that. Maybe I'll talk about this next week if I ever get this app update. Uh, I'm a bit perturbed about it. I really shouldn't be. It's not that big a deal. I don't even use the app, but at any rate, we'll see. Okay. Topic number two here is another tiny laptop. So another Kickstarter brings us another tiny laptop. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I talked about one of these. I forget what it was. You can go back and look. I'm not going to uh, bother going back uh, for the specific details uh, because we have another one to talk about today. So the Falcon is a tiny 8-inch laptop that is made to look like an older MacBook. In my opinion, that is, I guess. Uh, don't get me wrong, it looks really good, but um, it clearly had MacBook in inspiration here, okay? So let's get the specs out of the way first. So it's an 8-inch display with a higher than 1080p resolution. I think... It's like a 1200 resolution, uh, something by 1200, 1900 by 1200 or something like that. Um, eight gigs of RAM standard and either 128 gig or 256 gig, gig hard drive, uh, USB-C, USB-A, and a headphone jack, or sorry, headphone jack and HDMI round out the port situation. 
Um, look, by all accounts, this sounds like it should handle most anything you can throw at it as far as common everyday tasks, right? But the article from The Verge makes it pretty clear that this is still a very, very much a beta product. For one, uh, it has a 360 degree hinge. However, it currently can't tell if it's in tablet mode, so the keys are always activated. So you're going to have inadvertent keystrokes like crazy when you flip this thing around. Most of the time with these, you flip them around. Um, if it's like a two-in-one or something like the, uh, say the, um, oh, what is it? The, the Google Chromebook Pixel. When you flip that around, you can flip it all the way around so the keys are on the back and it does not register. It like kind of de deactivates the keys. Uh, so it's in, you know, quote unquote tablet mode. Um, Anyway, um, this does not do that. Uh, very, very unfortunate. And if you close the, the Falcon, it does not put itself to sleep. So the screen is on and everything is still running while it's closed. That is unless you manually put it to sleep before closing it. All that said, <laughs> like even besides these things, I would eat this thing up if those issues were ironed out in the final product they ship, uh, which they say will happen. So if you, uh, if you have been listening to me for any length of time, you know that I have a soft spot for tiny computers or tiny, compu tiny computing devices in general, for that matter. Small computers, tablets, phones, things like that. Um, and this scratches that itch in every way. I can only imagine the keyboard is atrocious, but we all know that I use a mechanical keyboard anyway, uh, and that I'm never going to use this. So that's not really an issue for me. And I, forget, I, I guess I forgot to mention that this is running Windows 10. Um, so not really a Windows talk here, but kinda, anyway. Um, obviously that has to be your operating system of choice, or this is not even going to be an option for you. I've made it very clear that I am a Mac user in the past, but that loyalty is thinning more and more as the months go on. Uh, I would love to try out a Windows machine for a couple of weeks just to see if I could live with it. And live with it might be a, a bit of a harsh way to put it, but uh, for many of us, and me included, uh, we can't really afford to buy something just to try it out for grins. Hell, I have uh, ran with my macOS dock on the left and a second monitor on the right for over a year. And recently I switched those. I moved my desk uh, into a different part of the house and switched my monitor from the right to the left and my dock from the left to the right. And I'm having a hard time with that. <laughs> so I'm guessing that if I would have, uh, if I had a small or, uh, uh, well, sorry, I'm guessing that if I had, if I switched to, uh, windows, I would have uh, a bit of a, uh, a meltdown <laughs> if I tried to if I tried to make that switch, but who knows? Um, at any rate, look, check out the link. And let me know your thoughts here. This thing is very very cool looking, and uh, you know if you're if you tend to hook it up to a second monitor anyway, and you can with that HDMI port, um, this is very very cool. All right, topic number three today uh, is something that I, I need to talk about. It's very near and dear to my heart. And that is motion smoothing on TVs. So a couple of sites last week ran a story about a video of Tom Cruise and Christopher 
McQuarrie, uh, he is the latest Mission Impossible movie director, talking about the dangers of motions moving. Now, obviously, I'm being dramatic, of course, but you get the point. For those of you that don't know the term, this is a setting on most, if not all, TVs that have uh, that have been manufactured in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, maybe. Um, it takes two frames of whatever you're watching and it guesses about what a frame would look like in between and it places it in between those frames. So it tries to give you more frames than what are actually there. Um, this is sort of what's happening. This is my, you know, I'm putting this in my words, but at the end, the end effect is that your entertainment looks just unnaturally smooth. Uh, it And you know, smooth usually is a good thing, but really isn't in this case, uh, if you ask my opinion. It gives it the look of daytime soap operas. And if you ask me, and apparently Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie, it looks terrible. Um, it is offensive to my eyes. I know that's a, a bold statement and it's <laughs> maybe a bit too, again, overly dramatic for the topic. But is it, look, I, I hate this. It looks so bad, so much so that I go out of my way to turn this off on relatives TVs when I visit. And I know that that's maybe overstepping some boundaries, but I assume that, you know, most will thank me after I turn it off and most do. Uh, but look, back, uh, a small, small story here, back when this was new, uh, I remember going to a Best Buy and seeing The Dark Knight uh, being played on a new high-def TV. I, I don't know if that was exactly when this was new, but this is the first time I remember seeing the effect at any rate. Um, it actually caused me to not buy a new TV at that time because I thought that it looked so bad. I thought that's what new high-def TVs looked like. Obviously, I did some, some research and have since bought a better TV and I know what the effect is now, but I just can't help remembering how put off I was. Now, admittedly, I haven't done any research because honestly, it's not worth my time. So uh, I'm sure I could look up uh, why TV manufacturers do this, but I just don't see the appeal. Uh, you know, okay, to, to give both sides of the argument here, it does make sports games uh, and events look a lot better. Um, it's a different, it's a completely different use case though, right? Um, I mean, sports versus a movie, it's completely, completely different. And with all the artificial intelligence being tossed around these days, you would think that they would code in some sort of feature where these new TVs would actually be able to recognize when you're watching sports and turn it on and off as appropriate. So if I turned on a game, you know, a Sunday game, and uh, you know, it was football, the TV would say, oh, that's a sports, that's a sports game. Turn on motion smoothing. Oh, he's putting a movie on, turn it off. Uh, I also included another link here. <laughs> I, I have to digress here because I could I could ramble for a little bit. I also included another link um, that'll tell you how to turn this off on most TV brands. You're welcome. Honestly, you're going to thank me. Okay. And our last topic for the day is 2019 iPhones. So 
I know that I said at the start of this podcast, and by that I mean the very first episode, that I try to only talk about positive issues. And for the most part, uh, that is what I focus on here. But sometimes there are things that I just can't help but talk about that are not quite as positive. Um, But to be honest, it's not like I'm talking about life-changing, life-or-death scenarios here, politics or uh, religion or anything like that. That stuff I will never talk about because that's just not the place here. Uh, But, you know, this is just my opinion on phones. So, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, the article linked is a report from 9to5Mac about the 2019 iPhones and how they are predicted to look exactly the same as they do this year. Uh, In all actuality, I didn't expect them to look all that different, but this is disappointing nonetheless. I'm just so bored with iPhones and the iOS platform. I know that it's more polished. Well, I mean, arguably more polished. Um, And I know technically the iPhone X was a complete redesign from, you know, the seven, the six, seven, eight era, whatever, which ran for way too many years. Um, But if you ask me, it is still quite a boring, it's a boring redesign. The iPhone X or iPhone 10, rather 10 and 10s. It's boring. Uh, I don't actually know what I'm wanting here, but I know that it's not what we have. Actually, look, I take that back. I want the boxier design of the iPhone 4 and 5 back. That was my favorite, favorite design. I still have an iPhone 5 that I pick up randomly just to pick it up and play with it and look at it and feel it and read some articles on it and everything like that. We talked about this um, in the Apple event review episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh Look, I have to assume, or I want to assume, I guess, that they will eventually bring that design over to the phone. I just don't want to wait until 2020 or 21. The, I mean, if you think about it, the 6, 6S, 7, and 8, because there was no 7S, uh, that was four years of the same design. You could argue that the 8 had a glass back, and so that was a new design, but I mean, let's be real, it was the same thing. It was the exact same thing. It was a little thicker, great. They listened to us, they didn't skimp on the battery, and they gave us a glass back and wireless charging, but it was the same look, the phone looked exactly the same. So I just, I don't know, I want something new. Uh, I really wish I wasn't so much of a sheep and would actually make the jump to Android. Then I'd have all kinds of choices for phones uh, with all kinds of different designs if I want. Uh, But the ecosystem lock-in is real, people. Uh, I said earlier in the podcast that I hate lock-in, but it is real, even for people that try to avoid it. Uh, The only saving grace here, if I'm trying to, again, look on the positive, is that uh, it is rumored that iOS 13 will be a major overhaul. Uh, Maybe that will make things feel new. But as always, when we talk about Apple, we have to say the same thing we always say, and that's don't hold your breath because you're going to get excited. You're going to think something's coming, something big, and it, it rarely, rarely does. And you know what happens here, and I'm riffing because I'm done with my notes, is we, we expect or we, we think something big is happening. We get our hopes up. And then when we do get a bit of a redesign, if it's not as much of a redesign as we were anticipating, we're disappointed. You know, it, it, we set ourselves up for failure. So look, expect the exact same next year. And if we get anything different, 
that'll be that'll be great. Honestly, I'm expecting to be disappointed by iOS 13. I'm hoping that that's not the case, but I'm expecting to be. As they say major overhaul, that might mean I don't know, some app designs look a little bit different. I want a different I want a different user interface. I want a different home screen. I want more customize customizability for what my phone looks like. Again, I know everybody write into me, yell at me, jump to Android, all the customization you need. It's all there. But again, it's all real that lock in anyway. All right. So, uh, that is all for today. As always, I can be reached at everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. No dots, dashes, or spaces. That is the best place to reach me. Um, I'm pretty good about email. Again, that's everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow along on Twitter. Username is at everyenthusiast. And on Instagram, at everyenthusiastpodcast. As I said before, this podcast is available on most major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Overcast, and many others. Please like, rate, and subscribe. And until next time, stay enthusiastic.